0: great to see everybody. How many of you were here last week? Great, and you came back this week. You still have perfect attendance this year, so just keep it up, man. You keep at it, and uh, I know we all have different things going on and that kind of stuff, and uh, I'm sorry if you weren't here last week. Last week, we had a beautiful experience with Hong Hai Kirby sharing with us. Wasn't that rich? And... uh, I know some of you asked me, well, I I want to listen to it. Well, sadly, it was the first time in a year we've had a technical glitch, and her message did not get recorded from last week. So I just decided, Hong Highland, where you're at today, we'll just have to have her do it again. So yeah, that's good. (laughs) And I really appreciated her prayer of blessing over us as a church family and God's ministry for this year. And it really is beautiful to step into uh, not only a new year, but a new decade. And I feel a new season for us as a church family. If you're new this morning, thanks for coming and just checking us out and being a part of the family for today. We'd love for you to continue on in that regard if you feel so led. But um, I want to not lead us off with a word of prayer and blessing over the year, but I want you to stand with me if you would. And this may seem weird to you, but would you stand? And there's just something in my soul... Maybe it's what's happening in my own life, stepping into a new year and a new decade, and and where we were a year ago this time was trying to get some walls built around here and finish this room and everything. It's just, wow, my head's so clear for this year. It's been a good break, coming back. We're starting into a new series here, looking at another new series on the heels of this. We got, before you know it, Easter will be coming. So I'm, I'm just rolling in my spirit. I had a beautiful experience this week of being able to sit down for three hours with a person that uh, catapulted me into the future of my life and my ministry and my love for Jesus, and that was my old youth pastor. We met in Oceanside for three hours at the harbor there and, and had a meal and reflected and what God's doing in his life and his ministry, and, and I was coming back, and my wife's still back in Indiana, so I get to drive the convertible, and so it was just beautiful, some of the ocean and the mountains and, and a new year and you guys and my heart was full. So instead of a blessing, which we all need, I just want to do a festal shout to start the year off with. Can we do that? You know what a festal shout is? We and, and Hong Hai mentioned last week. It's the one word that's in common in every language. All right. So if you want to speak Vietnamese this morning, you can speak Vietnamese, and it's the word "Hallelujah." All right, and it means you know, praise you, oh God, that kind of thing. So we're going to say the word "Hallelujah" in a festal shout. And if not for you, for me to fill my lungs to look forward to the 2020 year in God's vision, and. We're going to repeat it three times, and each time you need to get a little bit louder. I'm going to turn my mic off, but otherwise I'll overwhelm you. But I want you to take three deep breaths first, and then we're going to repeat it, and I want you to get louder, and we are declaring this to our God who is present with us. So you ready? Take your first deep breath. Doesn't that feel good? You should have done that earlier today. Let's take another deep breath. See, you can live better if you take deep breaths. And your third deep breath. You ready? All right. Baby seated. You have not turn this into a Pentecostal church yet, right? <laughs> I was just sharing with a dear friend from our body here, Ed, right before service, and he recently lost his, his sister unexpectedly. And uh, you know, we celebrated a life last week, and Diane Boucher, we celebrate another life in Judy's life this Saturday. And I know that there's a lot of things that can weigh heavy on us. And I was telling Ed, as we get older, sometimes we lose some of the innocence and the joy of life because we're burdened. We're burdened by needs and concerns, not only in our own life, but our kids' lives and our parents' lives. We're concerned about things of the world, whatever it may be. And we have a tendency to just start to plod a little bit slower in life and be discouraged. How are things going And we go, oh, they're going pretty good. I'm hanging in there. Friends, that's understandable because there are a lot of concerns in life. But I want you to know that when we gather on a Sunday morning, we will deal with reality. We will be authentic one with another. But we have reason to come in here every seven days as a church family, new people, old people, and shout hallelujahs because we have a great God. And we need to worship him and celebrate, even though you're going through some woes. Hallelujah? Hallelujah. All right. His 2020 vision. I don't know, it was a year or so ago, maybe I heard some other people. I was like, oh, won't it be great to get to 2020 and then we can have this 2020 vision talk about us and what we're going to do and that kind of thing. We're over here. We're going to talk about a 2020 vision, but we're not going to talk about our 2020 vision. We're not going to talk about your 2020 vision. We're going to talk about the 2020 vision of God. You know, the first time that I came to California uh, for a significant stay, I know I, my family, uh, when I was a little kid, brought me out here. I don't fully remember that but it was in the year of 1981, and I was a sophomore in college, and we had the uh, opportunity to come out, a group of about 45, 50 of us, and we boxed up bicycles, 10-speed bicycles. We took them up to Monterey, California, and we put them together, and we rode down the coast on Highway 1 for the month of January in 1981, and I got um, credit for photography. It was a January term, and so you could take a class, and I suppose I got some physical ed credit as well. But it was a beautiful experience, in part because of uh, Highway 1 was closed down at the time because of mudslides, but they led us through. So we had the whole highway to ourselves going down the coast. It was breathtaking for me. Beauty, you've been down that highway We're not too far from being able to have that kind of scene that's up here behind you. To see vision of beauty and wonder. And it causes your heart to be endeared towards God and wonder how, well, God, how would you, uh, how did you create this? And what's going on? And so it was a Christian group of us, and so we had devotions and other kinds of things, and then we came down the Pacific Highway 1 all the way to the San Diego area, went across Mount Julian and down and over into Blythe for a whole month. Beautiful, beautiful experience. So That was my first exposure to California. Little did I realize God would bring me back here six years ago. He brought me back here to be able to have this as my home turf and my mission field. But... It was three years after that experience that God took me to the East Coast. And instead of that view, um, I had this other view. And this other view was a view that um, was out my window while I was in graduate school and seminary, the Alliance Theological Seminary. And I was scared being there. Being a Midwest kid... Going to the New York City area, I was not quite sure what that would all entail. And New Yorkers, a little bit different. California people, they're different, but it's all of different people out there. It's a little bit different. And this was the picture that uh, was out my window. Now, that's the Tappan Zee Bridge, the old Tappan Zee Bridge. There's a new Tappan Zee Bridge. This is the first bridge on the Hudson River just up from the George Washington bridge that goes into Manhattan. And this was out my window, this view, except you can't quite tell here, but in the mornings it would be packed, six, eight lanes of traffic packed going into Manhattan, overwhelming number of people. And I had a servant's quarters in an old house that uh, really set across the road Uh, Last week when Hong Hai spoke, she put a picture up with the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, the movement we're a part of. His name's A.B. Simpson. And this house was directly across from A.B. Simpson's grave. And I was at the Bible Training Missionary Institute that he had started, the first Bible college in America. Nyack College, graduate Schools, the Alliance Theological Seminary. And I was there to get to know God. Yeah, to get a degree on the side, but I wanted to know Christ. And so I'd been encouraged to take my Bible, my hymn book, and just go and get to know Jesus. And so because the Apostle Paul had three years in what was called Asia Minor after he was uh, brought to uh, Damascus Road Conversion, I thought, that's what I want. I'll go to seminary. I don't want to become a theological egghead. I have a fire in my belly for God. I want to have more. And so I went there. But I was overwhelmed a little bit with the geography and the turf. And I knew that I was studying to be in ministry, and I needed to have a heart for people which I did. In fact, talking with Dwight last um, past week, we were reminiscing about how, you know, we had this small youth group, about 30 people, and God broke on that youth group, and it blew up to 130 within a year. And we had traumatic uh, experiences, um, not traumatic, transforming experiences in that year. It's close closest I've ever been to being a part of a revival. And many of those today are serving in ministry, as I mentioned. And so I was... um, mindful of the need to be in ministry. And I had this hunger, but I was overwhelmed. And this was my view. I was there to get to know Jesus, had my Bible and my hymn book, and then I was doing my studies on the side. But this was my Asia Minor experience. Lord, how can I draw close to you and get to know you? And I felt so inadequate at the time to be able to do anything for God, especially being across from this whole campus. But I sat up there in that sort of servant's quarters, had an outside stairway, looking out a little window overlooking the Hudson River, the Tappan Zee Bridge, and the massive traffic going over down into Manhattan. And I said, God, I, I can't do this. And I asked him, how do I gain a burden for people? And you know what I felt his impression was? You don't worry about gaining a burden for people. You get to know me because my burden is for people. And so I chose not to try to look more broadly at the world, but to look more deeply at knowing Jesus. And as I would try to get to know Jesus more deeply, and we had some beautiful experiences, Jesus and I did in those three years. And thankfully, I got through and everything and was able to graduate and all that. But as I got to know Jesus more deeply, he started to impart his heart to me. And I remember one night praying a very dangerous prayer. And it's a dangerous prayer that I'll put to you. Maybe you've heard me say it before, but this was my prayer. Lord Jesus, help me to see people as you see them. Lord Jesus, help me to have your vision, not mine. And so as we stand here at the beginning of this decade to have 2020 vision, don't worry about what vision you need to have for your life. And don't get knocked sideways by the vision other people have for your life. And they have a vision, you know? Telling you what to do. You get consumed with the vision God has for the world. And put on His glasses. And see through His eyes. And His vision... We'll begin to realign several things. And so we're going to be talking about that in these few weeks right here. The first is today we're going to just park here on this God's vision, Christ's vision, His vision, the Spirit's vision, His 2020 vision for me. And next week we're going to look at His vision for the church. The week following that, the vision for the valley, and then His vision for the world. But this isn't some big ramped up, rah, rah, let's do the church talk and what we're going to do. No, this is, friends, let's lay down the gauntlet and say, not my will, but the Lord's will be done. Give me your vision in this world today, beginning with your vision, your 2020 vision for me, for my church, my valley, in the world. Because you and I were gifted this life to be Co heirs with Christ to live life not as solo individuals or our own little nucleus family or blended families or whatever it's going on. You were given this life to live in sweet communion with the Lord Jesus Himself. And as you've been on this journey, and some of you invited Christ to lend to your life many years ago, some of you are toying with that idea where's God, you know, what's his place in my life right now? As you journey with God. In your life, his spirit comes to dwell within you and it fills you more and more every day, every week, every month, every year, every decade. And hopefully, by God's grace, if your will is submitted, your vision in the world is really his vision. And that prayer I had, God, let me see people as you see them and break my heart for people, is a dangerous prayer because it's a selfless prayer. In our culture, you and I are bred week in and week out to be concerned about ourselves. Jesus created you to be concerned about others and to worship him. What's your agenda for 2020? Your vision or his vision? It's my simple question. You blew into this year so fast. And I have a tendency to have that feeling, too. It's like, oh, my gosh, here we are, middle of January already, right? You blew into the year so fast you really haven't paused to think about it. But life is short. It is brief. We need to live in the present moment. Friends, let's pause and live in the present moment of the hallelujahs today and say to ourselves, by God's grace, he's given me another decade to live. What am I going to do with this decade? Is it going to be lived for my agenda or is it going live, to be lived for his glory? And I want us, as a church family and the mission God's called us to, to live this decade and this year for his agenda and his glory. I want us to live according to his vision. And this is not easy because it takes consistent abiding efforts to walk with Jesus and not walk with the voice of the world, your coworkers, your fellow peers in your class, Bantering words into your head or talking about, you have to know Him. And so, what I want to just challenge us with in this is that we step back, we open up our eyes, and we see the beauty. And whether it's the East Coast or the West Coast, let's capture God's beauty and His vision for our lives, for our church, for this valley, for the world, for this decade. Until he returns. I put it in a picture frame. We're going to be using that in the weeks ahead a little bit. The aspect of a picture frame. But I think. This. Verse. Is really. um, Something I want to challenge us with. Up front. With gaining his vision. And that is we need to be able to wake up. Because there's this subtle fanning of the flame, uh, the fanning of our lives to get us to doze with our agendas and our responsibilities. But Ephesians 5.14 says, it is written, it says this, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. But be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We do live in evil days, We live in challenging days globally, especially in the Middle East. It was a challenging week, was it not? And you wonder what's going on. And what's happening here and there. In our own culture. and our own societies. And some of the brokenness of that. We live in an evil world. But we cannot allow that world to taint the vision that God has for this world. And he loves this world. He loves the people of this world. He created every single person that's seated beside you. And the ones that are at work and school. He created them all. And he loves them. But. We know that sin entered the world, that there is fallenness and there is brokenness. And it is very easy for us to receive into our consciousness and our mindset and our vision agendas that are impure and incorrect. They are not the vision and the agenda that God has for us. And so, in part, we need to wake up. And we need to wake up. To rise from the dead, to let Christ shine on us as we work with this. And be careful how we're walking and living our lives. And give attention to the detail every day of this year. Because if not, we subtly move, not in the direction of God's will and the Lord's will. We move into the direction of foolishness. And so, the challenge is to wake up. And it sort of makes sense because that's who we are, the awakening church. We want you, as we always say, becoming fully alive in Christ and to his mission. To not be foolish, but to be alive, to be alive in Christ, him coming into your life and then you knowing that you are in Christ and that's a whole incredible mystery we can continue to unpack as we grow as a church family. But I want you to wake up and become more fully alive this year. That's... My desire. Because the world will press you into its mold and get you to be laissez-faire, get you discouraged, get you focused on all the negatives or the challenging, the suffering, and not allow you to live day in and day out with a heart and a spirit that's fully alive. Like we heard from Hong Hai last week when she sang that song, Wonderful, Beautiful Savior. And their praises, you know, her heart's full of the Lord to be able to say, this is the life that I want to live and it made every bit of sense why she used the verse in Philippians 3. I want to know Christ, right? And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sharing his sufferings. And so she was up here exhorting us as I'm exhorting you. Let's be fully alive in Christ and to his mission more and more every year, including this year of 2020. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 then says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So let me park here for just a second. If you are here this morning and you've never had the opportunity to do that, that's your first step of waking up. That's your first step In seeing God's vision for your life in our world. And it is that you need to have your sins forgiven to become alive with Christ and be saved by His grace. How does that happen? It's just a simple yielding of your life to the God who created you and the Jesus who died for you and rose from the grave and saying, Not my will, but your will be done. I repent. From this direction of mindset and sin, and I turn towards God and invite Jesus into my life. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not as yourself. It's a gift of God to those who believe. We begin there. We become alive with Christ. But then we need to become more fully alive in Christ, day in and day out. John 10.10, 10, one of my favorite verses, if you know me, and it's attached to our mission around here. It says this, the thief only comes, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You could take each one of those words. What's he been stealing out of your life recently? What's he trying to kill in your life right now? And what has he destroyed and you've given up on? That's what Satan does, the one who has fallen, the archangel who fell from the heavens and God kicked him out, but he still roams on this earth with his, his workers, and, and he seeks to bring destructiveness to our life. That's the agenda. Who said these words? Who said these words? Jesus said these words. So Jesus says to you and I this morning, to the 2020s that we step into, right? Hey, remember this. Wake up, O oh sleeper. The thief. He's coming at you. He's coming for you, man. And he's coming to steal and kill and destroy. I know, Gary. I know. That's why I'm sort of bunkered down. I'm trying to figure this out. And how am I going to make my way this year? What's going to happen? You can believe what's happened to me in the last few months even. And we're all bunkered in because we're in this battle. and, And the thief's coming after us. Whoa. But then Jesus makes the turn. The hallelujah turn. And he says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Really? What does he mean? You were born to live. You were not born to die. And when we have loved ones pass away in death, we cringe. Our heart grieves. Death is a result of sin in our world. But you were born to live eternally with him, to be alive, whether on this earth and heaven or in the new age to come. When Jesus returns, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And I don't know how we all go back and forth with that, that kind of thing. But we have life before us. And that eternal life has begun today if you are a believer in Jesus. And Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and put you in a straight jacket, kill all your fun, make you go to church every Sunday so the preacher can count your attendance, and then you're done. No, that's not what this is about. It's not about religion and church going. It's about life. And Jesus wants you to be fully alive, to live life to the fullest. And so when you turn to him this year, this decade, and you say, God, what is your vision for me? You know this, that he's not out to squelch you, discourage you. He is out to give you life. So maybe this is a verse you can memorize today, just like the kids are memorizing their verse that Devin said. Do you have this verse in your heart? But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And let Jesus through his spirit whisper that into your ear on a daily basis. So becoming more fully alive in Christ and to his mission is the agenda set before us. But in this, how do we get there this year? Well, I'm going to give you five bullets. At least I hope I get through them today. If not, that's the way life is. But there's five things that God brought to my heart in the last week or two as I was contemplating his 2020 vision. How do I see through his eyes? Five things that are going to help me have his vision for me. And these are, in one sense, things you do, but they're really something that need to be just a part of your life, of who you are. So it's not what you do, but who you are. And here's the first one. Scripture saturation. Scripture saturation. I'm going to embarrass you today. How many of you have a physical, literal Bible in your hands? Can you raise it? Look around you. All right, keep it up there. That's great. Thank you for bringing the Scripture. Keep it up there. I know it's heavy. Come on. The Scripture. That's good that you're in it or you have it. Now, how many of you have a, a mobile device today with you? Your phones. Can you, I see your phone. There you go. All right. Now, guess what? The people that raise the physical Bible and the people that just raise their phone, it's the same thing if you choose to let your phone be Scripture. Now, there's a lot of bad stuff you can do on a phone. Nasty texts you send, trying to work your angle, going to websites you shouldn't be going to, that kind of thing, right? But you can take your phone and you can use it your Scripture. Now, the reason I start off with this is because this has been a challenge to me in my life as a pastor. I grew up with one of these. I prefer you to have one of these. I think there's something to be said about having the Scripture in your hands. But we're on-the-go kind of people. We've got too many things we're carrying anyway. And so the electronic means of having Scripture in your hand for this year, for this decade, is maybe more of a viable way for you to carry the Word of God with you every day. In fact, some of you may have it. If you don't, you need to have this icon on your mobile device. How many of you have the U version on your phone? There you go. There's more hands going, that's me, I got my Word with me. I want you to watch this video clip because it was actually a year and a half ago that they crossed the 10-year celebration line. The U version comes out of lifechurch.tv, which is a huge multi site church led by Craig Rochelle in uh, Oklahoma, I believe it is. But this is a little bit of the background to that U version. And while you're doing this, you could download the app right now so you can have God's Word in your hand. And this is not a commercial, and I'm going to explain it
1: afterwards. I think one of the main reasons that the Bible app's been successful is that when we started, we actually were creating it to solve a problem that we had, which was that we wanted to read the Bible more. So we built it to solve a problem for us, but discovered that a lot of people desire to do the exact same thing. One thing we've learned on this journey is that God continues to exceed our expectations. I was in the O'Hare Airport in Chicago in October of 2006 in a long TSA security line. And there in that security line that day, I was asking myself this question. I wonder if we're at a moment in history where we could leverage technology in a way that would help me engage with the Bible, perhaps even help others engage as well. And there in that security line that day, the idea for YouVersion came. Our church started YouVersion as a website in 2007, but it actually didn't work as we had hoped. But that idea led us to realize that if we put it on our smartphones, that it really did change how we engaged with the Bible. At that same period in time, Apple announced that they were going to make it possible to develop apps for the iPhone and create this thing called an App Store. And so we thought, what if the Bible could be among the very first group of apps in the App Store? We built an app, we submitted it to Apple, and on July 10th in 2008, Apple launched the App Store, and the UVersion Bible app was among the very first 200 apps that were available that day. Now, we had no idea what to expect, but in that first weekend, we saw 83,000 people install that app, and it blew our minds. Now, when we see God move, and we see momentum like that, we just like to put everything we can behind it, and that's exactly what we did, but we realized that we couldn't do it alone. So for the next several years, we saw a coalition of partners assemble, people from all over the world, from Bible societies, Bible translation groups, publishers, churches, pastors, authors that have all come together to say, we want to help people connect with God's word. So we started with just two languages when we launched, but we quickly realized that we wanted people to be able to access scripture in whatever language they spoke. And so today through those partnerships, we now have over a thousand languages that are available and we're working very closely with the Bible translation groups to be sure that we could one day offer the Bible to every single person on earth in a language that they understand. And as this was happening, it continued to grow. 83,000 became a million, became 10 million, and now hundreds of millions of devices that have installed the Bible app, And it's influencing people all over the world in every sphere of life, from arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, And religion. When we started, we had absolutely no idea what God was getting ready to do. And He exceeded any expectation of anything that we thought was possible. But today, we know for sure that this is just the very beginning of what He wants to do.
0: If you want to know God's 2020 vision for you, you need to know his voice. There's the spoken word and there's the written word. Our written word can be accessed through print, through electronic device. It can be accessed through hearing The word spoken through electronic voice or to be able to hear the word expounded on a Sunday morning or in a Bible study. But to hear God's audible voice for you, you need to be based in his written voice. And it needs to be a part of your ongoing diet every day. Some of you worried about your exercise routines that need to kick in because you need to physically get somewhere or return to some dieting issues. Can I encourage you to make sure that you don't just look at the physical dimensions in your life in 2020, but let's look at the whole life dimension, the spiritual dimension. Is your life being saturated with God's written word so that his spoken word can speak to you? Or is the spoken word coming from the friend who maybe isn't so much a friend? Or maybe from the voice of the parents in your past? Or the expectation of a boss? What's the voice in your ear? And we have to work hard against the evil day in which we live, if you will, to understand what God's will is and not fall into foolishness by hearing God's voice speak to us. And there is no other way to know God's voice in your everyday life but to be saturated, I believe, in the word of God. I want to share with you just a couple illustrations on this point. In Psalm 119, verse 150, it says, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And have you ever heard that? A flashlight, if you're walking in a dark place, doesn't do any good by shining it out there, does it? The flashlight works when you shine right in front of you. And so Psalm 119 is saying that God's word is like a flashlight. It's going to help you see where to go. But if you don't have the word of God, whether here or by phone, then you you may not have your light turned on. And you need to walk in that pathway by choosing to let the word of God become something that guides and directs your life. Not to beat you up. Sometimes it's like wiring an old house. You never know when you're going to get shocked reading this book. But God's word's there for you to know his voice and his will for your life. But if you're like me, I have a tendency to read not a version app, but all my other news feeds to keep up to speed what's going on, or maybe sports and how did the Ravens really blow that yesterday. I find in our culture, as did my youth pastor Dwight when we were talking yesterday, that we have a society and a church that is less and less in God's Word almost every year. And do we wonder why we are in the predicament we're in? We're going on hearsay or what our thoughts are, everybody has their own opinions. One of the most frustrating things for me is when there's a serious subject and we're sitting in a circle talking and everybody's pooling their ignorance. You been there? They're pooling their ignorance or their thoughts or their... Where's that at? I want us to see the Scripture not as something that's a read and check off our list. I wanted to see something that we can soak ourselves into. And so Scripture saturation, I love that term. You see... This is a sponge and this big water bucket here. The sponge on the outside of that bucket serves no real purpose, no real value, right? It's dry as dry can be. In fact, we can throw the sponge in the water and looky there, it floats like a boat. And some of us are that way, God's word. We just sort of skim it. Hey, we're hanging there. I got my little verse today. I did my church deal today. I think the pastor used a verse. It was up there on the screen. Just floating along. Friends, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this. Get it soaked good. Why? Because life is going to squeeze you tight. And if you're a dry sponge, there's nothing that's going to come out of you that's probably good. But if you saturate yourself in God's Word... And you need the voice in that moment. And you're squeezed tight this week in a conversation. What's going to come out of you when you're squeezed? Truth. Truth about who you are in Christ. Truth about what God sees for this world. Truth that's going to help you have the flashlight to be guided to the next step. You need to have this priority in your life for 2020. You want to know God's vision? Then saturate yourself in the word of God. But when you saturate yourself in the word of God, there's something about the sponge. Do you notice it? The sponge is porous. I've heard and seen, experienced in my own life, trying to take the Word of God and get it saturated in my life, but I've got a problem. I've got a hard heart. I don't really want to hear what God has in His Word, and I don't prepare my heart. I've not prayed in advance before I've gone to the Word. I don't, you know, have a porous kind of condition of the heart. I have a hard heart like a rock, and guess what? When you put a rock in water, forget it going to the bottom. And when you try to pull out a rock, when you try to take a hard heart saturated in scripture, there's nothing to squeeze there but the hardness of your heart. So, scripture saturation requires not just a you version on a phone or a written word in your hand to carry, it requires a prepared heart. And so my challenge to you is have you a prepared heart? To be saturated in God's word so that when you are squeezed this year in your life, what comes out is truth. So this is my encouragement. I do encourage you to get something like electronic bites. I encourage you to get some type of Bible reading plan. I can give you a couple of plans. I thought about listing them in the program, but I chose not to. If you want to talk to me, talk to me. I can give you my phone number, that kind of thing. We'll interact on it. How do you take the opportunity to hear God's word? One of the cool things about that U version thing is they're audible. In fact, the NIV version, I was telling my daughter this the other day, is that the NIV version that's on the U version is narrated by a Max McLean. And he was one of the instructors in my preaching class when I was overlooking the Manhattan, uh, the Hudson River. And he shares that word dramatically as he reads it. And so maybe it's just saturating instead of that pop channel. And yeah, I'm sorry, I'm from the 70s, 80s there. I had my XM 70s and 80s on cruising to Oceanside this week. I was enjoying it. And there's moments for that and your special style of music. But, but just maybe, whether they're the AirPods in your head or whatever, maybe you just need to let somebody read Scripture to you. Read scripture, have a scripture plan, have a verse of the day. You go on that version, that you version things. There's all kinds of creative ways because they're working hard at this. Why? Because our world needs the truth of God. Not the latest pop power play positions of politicians. It needs truth and it begins with you. God's 2020 vision for your life requires scripture saturation up front. What did Jesus do when he was squeezed by Satan with the temptations? He pulled out and said, That's not true, Satan. It is written. And again, it is written. It is written. God Himself, come in the flesh, Jesus took the Word of God. In Ephesians 6, it says that this is an offensive weapon put on the full armor of god but then it says but you know by the spirit through his word take the sword and stick it in the adversary put it out there where it's before you to guide you as the light this is an offensive weapon you don't need to be on the defense every day truth shared in an appropriate measure the word of god scripture saturation And this leads me to my second thing. And we don't have time much for the last four. But I mentioned these. Authoritative prayer. When you pray, you pray with authority because of truth. And you fight spiritual warfare, which is directed towards the adversary, as surely as you have prayer time and communion with spending time with God. Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan, he took the offensive weapon of the word of God and authoritative prayer, it is written, in connection with Heavenly Father, and he defeated Satan. And for you and I this year, and I don't know how it's going to come about, you know there's a group of people that gather on a Sunday morning and pray over here, the prayer team. You can show up and join them, Pray. Afterwards, if you want somebody to pray for you, you can gather back by that prayer area, the cross, and have people pray for you. I want us as a people to have prayer. Prayer prayers, communing with God, but it's also fighting the warfare and moving forward. And it needs to be authoritative. Oh, Jesus, I don't know if you're thinking about me today. I'm down here in this little hole, and I'm really discouraged. People are hurting me. If you can help me out, I'd appreciate it. Friends, that's not an authoritative prayer. The authoritative prayer is, God, this is hard, and I'm in a bad place. But I thank you that my identity is not defined by what other people think, and I take upon myself the offensive weapon of the authority, the word of God, and I say, Satan, you get behind me. And Lord Jesus, I discern this in the world that you need to be ministering your grace and your power to my friend and the brokenness that's happening there. And I pray through the Holy Spirit, oh Lord, may you descend upon this situation and may you come and intervene, bring somebody into their life to speak to them in ways I've been trying to speak to them, but they're not hearing it. Would you wake them up from their slumber? Lord Jesus, I pray by the authority you've given me in Christ that you would do this work because you've made me a co-heir with you. And I am on mission as surely as I'm on understanding of your will for my life. And so here we are. I pray, Lord, in this foxhole that you would pull me out, you would set me free, and you would take captive the enemy. Do you pray that way? I tell you what, if you don't pray that way, a good reason why you don't pray that way is because you're not in this. This has to speak to your life so you can speak into the world and against the adversary. Authoritative prayer. Much for all of us to learn in that. And maybe at the beginning of 2020, I just encourage you to get out of your slumber and walk in that direction. The third thing is authentic community. If you think that you can make a go of it this year and discern God's will for your life and His vision as a solo operator, you're gravely mistaken. I got a text from somebody this week that hadn't been in church a while and they explained they felt bad about it and a couple people had died in their life and situations. I I really felt bad for them. But they had the right context in basically saying, I've isolated myself again. And that's true. That's what the adversary does. He wants to isolate you from some other believers, some other faith journey people. And none of us in this room are perfect. We, We can hurt people. We're people. We're sinful people. But don't allow that to keep you from rich community. You know, on the back of your connect card and you can take it and flip it back there. It says, I want to be in a life group. We're trying to redefine life groups moving forward. One of the women's Bible studies started this week. It's saturated in the word. Thursday morning study in the book of and life of Gideon. The Wednesday night group uh, is starting up here for the women a bit, but there's some other life groups going on. Mine restarts from my rooted group next Tuesday. You need to be in community. This is good. Coming to the chili cook off's good. But it's not like being an authentic community one-on-one with others. Make it a priority in your life not to just show up and check off your attendance on a Sunday morning, but to be engaged in real relationships within the body of Christ. And if it's not inside this church, may it be somewhere else. Be connected. Be connected. An authentic community and just find a community you can be real in and you don't have to put on pretense. May all of our life groups that we have here during the course of a week be real groups where you can just carry your not your... Your pretense in, but your brokenness and your aspirations. The fourth thing is generous giving. Now you can pull your iPhone back out or your Android. I think mine's around here somewhere. Where's my phone? I think it's. Is it over there, Mike? Oh, my, that's my phone. That's too far to go. I want you. Take your phone out and text that number right now, the word awakening. You're going, oh, I don't do that to my phone. I never know. Where. No. That's going to take you to a place, not because the pastor says, hey, you need to give this church. It's going to take you to a place that shows you how simple it is in life and whether it's our app or someone else's app for you to establish consistent giving, giving financially to God's work. To be invested in God's work. You type awakening into 77977. It's going to come up with a little link. You click link and there it is. Oh. And you can give on a repeated regular basis electronically. And why do I say that? If you're like me, I'm cheap. (laughs) And I give to the Lord according to how I feel secure I am in my finances on a weekly basis. So it's probably best for me just to go ahead and poke in that tithe amount, whether it's the 10% or some type of amount that really is a stretch for me and it's going to hurt. As A.B. Simpson used to say with the Christian American Alliance, give until it hurts and then keep giving until it doesn't hurt anymore. You know what I'm saying with that? That's what an app has done for me. It's like, oh, this hurts. That tithe 10% amount, boom. And then it keeps going. Weak after a week, or if it's a month at a time, and after a while, it's just a part of my life. It's just giving to God. Do I, do I notice it? And i, I got to up it a little bit this year. I understand that, so I'll redo my app this year because I give through Pushpay, which is where that takes you. But it's it's not an advertisement from the pastor here on give to the church this this week, this year. I mean, that's as God leads you. It's that you need to do something That causes you to be a generous person. And friends, where it hits us most is financially. Oh, I'll give my time. I'll serve. And we want those type of generous steps. I'll give of my gifts, you know, some of the things that were built in the children's ministry this last couple of weeks. And they got the fascia board on the front of the stage finally and all that. It's because we have a person with craftsmanship gifts by the name of Don Kirby, Hong Hai's husband. And he did a great job helping get some things in there. But, you know, those gifts that we are generous with, we need to be there. But, friends, I call us as a church body to this whole issue of being generous financially because this is where lordship really hits us the most. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to live on the 90% he's given you? And you need sometimes just a simple automatic thing that happens to train you into being a generous giving person. And why does that help us see God's 2020 vision for us? Because Jesus gave up his life. The right hand of the father he gave For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If you want the life of Christ well like up within you, serving you, you need to have a generous spirit. Give until it hurts and then keep giving until it doesn't hurt anymore. And then this is the last. is just an uncommon obedience statement. I believe... This needs to be the mark of Christians who want to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. This needs to be the mark of someone who wants to become more fully alive in Christ and to his mission in 2020. Is that somebody would look at your life and not see it as a legalistic life. Like, oh my gosh, they're really a straitjacket Christian and they're a Bible thumper. No, if Jesus speaks to me through being saturated in his word through being in intimate, authoritative prayer with him, through being in the council and the encouragement of authentic communities, through generous giving, I need to obey. And I want my life to be marked by uncommon obedience, because I tell you what's going to happen when you're in God's word, when you're walking with him, when you're having a generous spirit, when you're in authentic community, when you're trying to fight the battles with the authoritative word and prayer, when you are in that, you're going to hear the still small voice. You think it's your conscience sometimes and you just keep working it out and you'll discern God's voice sometimes from your own personal conscience. But you walk it out and you hear God's voice and he says, I I want you to support this particular ministry. I want you to let go of your agenda for this weekend and go serve there. I want you to let go of your inhibitions and try something that you've always been scared about doing for me. You're going to hear that still, small voice, and you're going to say, yes, Lord, and obey. And other people over the course of time will go, that's an incredible life. There's just an uncommon obedience that they carry. So those five things I encourage and exhort you with. Because here's the bottom line of today. His 2020 vision for you. His 2020 vision for me. I can't tell you what his vision is for your life. I can in general from what it means to be a believer in the Lord. But we each are uniquely gifted and created by our Lord. And He wants to whisper. Some of you, He needs to use a megaphone. Speak into your life. I want you to have this relationship with Jesus this year, this decade, where you hear His voice through His Spirit. But we will not hear His voice if we don't train our lives unto godliness. And if we don't come to the altar broken as we are, and say, use me. A soft, porous heart, saturated in the Word of God, an authentic community, taking on authoritative prayer with a generous giving heart, walking with uncommon obedience. God's going to speak. This is my will for you, Lori. This is my will for you, G.J., This is my vision for you, Saint. This is my heart and my desire for you, Teresa. God's voice speaking to us. Oh, Jesus, how can I ever have a heart for the broken world and serve you? You just get consumed with knowing me more. And my voice will speak to you. And my passion and my spirit will fill you. And you will go forth. In 2020. Joe is going to come. And we're just going to close with a song. About just coming to the altar. And releasing things to God. The ushers will come to receive. The Lord's tithes and offerings. As well as your connect cards. Especially if you want to get connected. In a life group for this.